Hey everybody, welcome to the Asian Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Park, and the following is a conversation with Nasaya Yassin, aka Nas Daily. Nasaya is an Arab-Israeli vlogger who rose to the internet superstardom with his thousand one-minute-long videos on Facebook. Nasaya is also an author and a successful entrepreneur, having founded Nas Academy, Nas Studios, and Nas.io, which is a community-building platform for creators. So how can one person accomplish so much by the age of 30 and what motivates him to keep going? This is the story of Nas Daily and you're listening to the Asian Boss Podcast. Hey, Nasaya, how's it going? Good, how are you, Steven? Yeah, good, good. It's a pleasure to finally get around to having a chat with you like this. Thank you, thank you. I'm very excited for the chat we're gonna have and uh, I hope it's helpful for everybody else watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by now, you probably need no introduction. I mean, your face is literally all over Facebook, YouTube Shorts, you know, TikTok, you name it. You're just so many different things. You're a creator, you're an entrepreneur. So how do you actually introduce yourself to people? I'm just a kid who's uh, trying to bring people together um, in many different ways. Through content, through storytelling, through technology, through events, through podcasts. You know, we're just trying to bring people together, not apart. And if we can make money in the process, then we build a company. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build NAS. NAS means people, NAS company. And yeah. uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've been doing this for six years. And we have another 60 years wow. um, in front of us, I hope. <laughs> I can definitely uh, say that we share very similar values because even why Asian Boss was started was because back in like eight, nine years ago, we already foresaw all that division and polarization that's only going to get worse on a global scale. And yeah. we just had to do something. So it's just really good to be able to talk to somebody who shares that similar vision. So I'm actually very curious to learn about like your worldview, where you see things are going at this point, because the world just seems to be getting more and more divided despite all our efforts? Man, that's a heavy question. I think it's becoming, it's becoming harder to be in the middle, becoming easier yeah. to be extreme. Like, I hate Asia or I love Asia, but there's no middle, yeah. right? Same with like, you know, every other topic out there. And actually, but, but this is what it seems like. But, you know, deep down inside, I feel like the majority is very silent and it's very centrist. Yes. It's very centrist. You know, it's like, if you look at a video, let's say a video about Israel and Palestine, it could have a million views and 100,000 likes and yeah. 2,000 angry comments. The question <laughs> is, you know, is the video bad? Is there a lot of crazy people in the world because of 2,000 comments? Or is the world good because there's 100,000 yeah. silent likes, you know? So I think as we think the world is getting more and more extreme, I think we may have some problems with, with data, which a comment may seem that it's representative of the world, but maybe it's not. You touch on the very uh, important thing because, yeah, it is absolutely these loud, extreme minorities that are getting all the attention and the silent majority. They're like, yeah, we don't necessarily care. But ultimately, those loud minorities are the ones that seems to be dictating exactly almost like the pace and, and everything in terms of policy or yeah. the amount of voice they have so we've always wanted to give more voice to the silent majority um, as part of a mission as well 
Exactly, the loud minority. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. There's many examples in which this is the case. Um, but I, yeah, I, I really don't think we should be uh, uh, living based on the loud minority. Well, I think you yourself almost like embody that, that multiculturalism where you, you know, it's almost like we can also talk about your interesting background. You're almost like in the middle of Palestine and, and Israeli conflict. Oh, so God. maybe just maybe you can share a little bit about how you actually grew up and what is it like to be in that part of the world where people just see it as like just a whole, like a, this messy thing yet how do you just come out of that and create all these beautiful videos and stories yeah so so that's a great question so you know i mean you know south korea north korea has its own division and it's probably the most polarized polarization i've seen in my life is actually in, in south korea and north korea and i've been to both countries so I, I i'm sure you can understand and i think israel and palestine is another example of that so i grew up in 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 israel as a palestinian uh, I do not recommend this background to anybody, uh, but I, that's my background. And I think when you grow up in the middle of everybody hating everybody, in the middle of everybody putting a label on everybody, you're Jewish, you're Arab, you're Muslim, you're this, you're that, right? At some point, you either join it and become an extremist yourself, or you shun it and you become a moderate yourself. And, and I think Nas Daily is a result of that. You know, I grew up for 20 years in the middle of this, like, craziness. And for me, it's like my answer to this craziness is Nas Daily, right? Uh, something that is the exact opposite of what I saw. And it's something that tries to bring people together as opposed to label people based on who you are and how you're born. So, you know, I, I think people should embrace anger and trauma and, 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 and conflict. You should em embrace messy childhoods because sometimes they're the reason you become successful. Mm. But at the same time, when you're in the middle of it and you, you're pretty much the only sane person out there, how do you uh, prevent yourself from getting like some sort of a backlash or people, uh, did you get bullied or something like that for like, you know, just not wanting to fight? So, you know, Stephen, it's funny you said you're the only sane person out there. And I was thinking about it. Am I the only sane person out there? I don't think so. I think I'm the only loud person in the sane group. The sane group is very, very, very quiet. The sane group is too busy making money, building careers, building families, you know, uh, uh, traveling, sitting at the beach. They're sane. They want to enjoy life and build a career. But the sane group doesn't want to go into this, all these crazy rabbit holes. So because I have Nas Daily, I feel like I could be loud and sane at the same time. How does it feel like to be loud in, in such a polarized environment? Not good. <laughs> the simple answer is not good. You know, I feel like, you know, at some point it's, it comes at the expense of your personal health, personal sanity. It comes at the expense of your security. But I love it. You know, there's, there has, this has meaning. And I think, you know, what, for those that are not familiar with Nas Daily or whatever, but every video must have meaning. Absolutely. And I'm sure for Asian Boss, it's the same thing. There has to be a meaning for why this piece of content should exist. And that's the most beautiful feeling in the world.
speaking from experience, I know for a fact that if you try to be moderate and be reasonable, what ends up happening is that you actually get attacked from both sides mm -hmm. because you don't really yeah. seem to belong anywhere. So they accuse you of like, oh, you're this or you're that and, uh, you know, start rumors or whatnot. So did you, did you have to go through something like that? And how do you deal with that type of onslaught of maybe, you know, unfounded criticisms or rumors? Maybe if you have any particular stories around that. Yeah, so, so I agree with you. If you're moderate, it's actually a little bit less popular decision to take. You know, joining one group of people, at least you join a community and you're safe. But you're moderate, you, you basically, you're open to criticism from both ends of the spectrum, and that's hard. So actually, calling for moderation is not a popular thing. And Absolutely. that's really shocking. It's counterintuitive if you think about it. In the last 70 years, only the prime ministers and the presidents who called for peace got assassinated. <laughs> oh my God. No prime minister that called for a war got assassinated. Just think about that. The Egyptian yeah. president, the Israeli prime minister, you know, all of them got assassinated because they made peace or they wanted to make peace. So kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, I think I want my advice to be relevant to content creators and to entrepreneurs and to people who are just trying to live their life. There is really two ways to live life. One with uh, meaning and one without meaning. The one with meaning, the life with meaning comes with a very, very heavy price. You know, the price is, you know, hatred or the price could be um, just hard work. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the benefit is, is much more substantial in the direction with meaning than without meaning. So that's how I justify, you know, doing what we do. And, uh, you know, I feel like we're not too bad. You know, we're, we're still alive and we're growing. Well, I'll say you're doing better than just okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> you guys just like everywhere. But then, you know, <laughs> the reason why I ask is because you just seem so especially in front of the camera, you seem so energetic and positive. And I, I, I'm sure, you know, people, including myself, they question, man, how do you, how does he keep that up? Is that, is that what it's really like? Because with me, I just, I don't really have that kind of energy. I'm just very kind of the same. Like if people see me in front of the camera and they see me, it's like, oh yeah, that's Steven, this like a this quiet guy. But how do you keep that, that level of energy? And do you ever get like discouraged to the point where like, you know what, I don't necessarily make a video, I don't feel like making a video today. So I'm very discouraged all the time. Just to be clear, you see me in my best one minute of the day in which I am like <laughs> super excited, super energetic, all that stuff, that's my best one minute. But I have 23 hours and 59 minutes of planning to do. So I have my fair share of, you know, being sad. I have my fair share of being, you know, not, not pessimistic. And I go, I go, you know, it's in waves. It's really in waves. But I think, you know, the one thing I have that I think many people do not have is I have a lot of self-drive. And I think that's what's different about, that's what allowed me to build Nas Daily and make a thousand videos in a thousand days. Self-drive is key because no one is gonna wake me up and tell me to make a video. No one is gonna wake me up and tell me to go to the gym. No one is gonna wake me up and tell me you know, to, to build a company. No one is gonna push you to do these things. And if you expect society to push you to do anything, most likely society is gonna push you to go kill somebody because society sometimes pushes people into going to the extreme, right? Yeah. So that's why what's really important is push yourself 
to change society as opposed to have society push you to conform. And there's a major difference between the two scenarios. Well, let's talk about the self-drive of yours because that infamous thousand videos that you did every single day, it's not something that anybody can just do. It requires a lot of dedication and hustle. And you're the guy that went to Harvard. <laughs> you, you could have gone down the very comfortable uh, career path. And then you decide to leave everything and then decide to make thousand videos in thousand days. Yeah. Which takes a lot of self-drives, like you said. So how does, that, how does that come about? How do you even go to Harvard in the first place and then decide, you know what, I'm gonna just walk away to do something that is totally random and creative? Getting into Harvard sounds fancy and sounds really hard. And you know, it is hard. I mean, the admission rate is like 3% or 2% of the people that apply. Um, but I'd say, you know, there's an element of luck and an element of like a lot of hard work. Uh, and that was like during high school where I tried really hard to create my own future. It's the same theme, right? Which is create your own future. From, from high school, my own future was at Harvard. So I made whatever it took to get there. Once you go there, um, you know, you see there's like, let's say 10 jobs available after you graduate engineer, lawyer, doctor, you know, entrepreneur, and like consultant, right? But it is possible to create a different career. And I think that's what most people do not try to do, to create their own zero to one, from career to uh, uh, life choices. You know, people love to be in communities or the herd mentality in which, you know, think about Harvard. Let me give you an example about Harvard. We think of Harvard as the best university in the world, and it is one of the best ones. But people apply to Harvard with a hundred different interests. People apply to Harvard saying, I wanna be a poet, I wanna be a philosopher, I wanna be an engineer, I wanna be a this. And that's why Harvard accepts them. The minute they enter, four years later, they graduate in three careers, banker, engineer, and consultant and finance and everybody just is funneled to the banks. And it's just like, why are the banks getting the best people in the world? And what happened to this creativity that you applied with, it ends up dying. So yeah. that's the herd mentality, which we kind of want to do what everybody's doing. But I've come to learn after 10 years of doing this is that you should do the opposite of what everybody is doing. And most of the time, it's the right thing. I mean, uh, speaking as a former uh, finance lawyer. You are myself, a finance lawyer. There you go. <laughs> Everything you just said, I 100% agree with. <laughs> because I think that human capital is just being wasted. and At the banks. People, yeah, yeah. And they just do what everybody else does. And I, I think that's just kind of sad. So we need more people like you. But surely, I mean, when you started on that journey to start creating videos from all over the world, did you have the type of expertise that you already have or like, did you know how to create content? No, um, uh, I only made like a couple of videos before I started Nas Daily and I, I was not a video editor. I, I downloaded the software, a couple of tutorials and you're done. Uh, so you really don't need that crazy stuff. I bought the camera a week before, two hours. Okay, this is how it works. Great, we're done. And that's it. Uh, and then I bought a drone a day before. I quit my job April 8th and I started April 9th. I believe in the concept of jumping from the deep end of the pool. That's what I believe in. So I believe most people should not learn how to swim step by step. You should just jump in and figure it out while you're drowning. For me was, hey, I'm gonna start making a lot of videos. 
every single day in every country around the world, right? I'm gonna go to Kenya tomorrow and let's figure it out. And so imagine yourself in the middle of Kenya, in a hostel in Kenya, paying $10 a night, no internet, no Wi-Fi, and committed to making a one minute video for nobody to watch. <laughs> That's what drowning means to me. Yeah. Did you tell people about this idea just right before you started and did, did people call you crazy? So I don't know if they called me crazy. They said, look, most people don't know the future and most people don't care about the things you care about as much as you do. So I think what they said is I called a friend and I was like, I'm thinking of making one minute videos every day on Facebook. And they're like, huh? Sounds good. Good luck. Like most people don't really care. No one is going to come and say, yeah, don't do yeah. this. You know, certainly my parents were a little bit worried because there's no career in this. But I do believe, I think for anybody watching this, right, you should trust that technology is going to create different jobs. My Absolutely. job and your job could not exist 10 years ago. Could not. A banker has been around for hundreds of years, but a online media organization that's run by five people or so making money and reaching millions of people. That's only possible because of YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and, and Snapchat. So I think in the next five, 10 years, millions of new jobs will be created. And I just, I cannot wait for these days. Well, uh, I'm right there with you. You know, I think uh, what we are doing is actually very exciting. And, and the fact that you had that, that self-determination to go do something like that and then successfully having completed it and then to now to go on to do bigger things. It's as an entrepreneur, as a creative person, I think that's, that'll inspire a lot of people. So I guess my question is, how did you get discovered? Now, you know, did it, it, was it just like purely Facebook that people started taking notice? Was there like a one viral hit that just made people discover who you are? So first of all, I got discovered because I went very deep into one platform, Facebook. Mm. And I said, hey, Nobody's making Facebook content. I think this platform could do really well for the kind of content I want to make. So I took the biggest risk there. Now Facebook is having problems, but back then it was big. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that later. Then I made 270 videos and all of them had mediocre success. 270 videos in 270 days. And then video number 271 blew up. And that's when I knew it's clicking. Finally, finally, I know how to make videos. Finally, I know what people like. Finally, this is going to work. So on day 271, Nas Daily 4X'd in one day. So we were 100,000 wow. followers and we became 400,000 followers on day 271. You know, I think most people would probably have quit on day nine. And I think that's the difference between um, successful companies and uh, dead companies. Again, I look at you and you're, you're a young guy, you know, a lot of people will see you as a very successful. Well, not that young. Where does this, well, I mean, you know, probably in your early 30s is still, still considered young as far as, you know, you being a founder and everything. But uh, how do you have that sen like, sense of drive and never giving up attitude? Is that something that was instilled in you by your parents or is it something you just, you just have? And can anybody have that? Yeah, well, actually, that's a good question. I think... For me, it's like life and death. So I grew up in an environment where I felt like I didn't matter, right? If you're Arab, Palestinian, living in Israel, like you definitely do not matter. 
And so I grew up as a second class citizen and that kind of bothered me. This is a true story. I went on the dating apps, the Tinders and the Bumbles and whatnot, and I swiped right and I was like, shit, no one is swiping right. So my looks weren't very good. I was like, okay, damn it. I don't have my looks going for me and I don't have my background going for me and I'm Muslim and Arab and I don't have my, my race and my ethnicity going well for me. So I'm like, shit, like in society, I'm like a second class human in society based on my looks and my background and everything. And this is during the times in which, you know, 9-11 happened and which all that stuff. So there's been some difficult years, right, for somebody that looks like me. So that's when I realized, okay, I do not matter. And if I ever want to do something that's successful or that's worthy in life, I must work three times as hard as the next person because I will be noticed because of my 3x work ethic, not because of the way I look, not because of where I come from. So that hard work ethic and the chip on the shoulder doesn't come because I like working hard. It's because if I don't work hard, I'm literally nothing. That's a motivation right there. Uh, and I, I don't think that a lot of people have that type of extreme, uh, you know, situation to push you forward, but clearly it, it turned out for the better. It's unfortunate, you know, because I'm sure people in the comment section will be like, you have self-worth. You have self-worth, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up so much. And I agree with those comments and everybody should have self-worth regardless of whatever you build. But we're not all perfect. And that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so after you make thousand videos, like, did you know what you were going to do after that? Or was your plan yet? Yeah. You know, I know I'm going to get big as a result of having done this, so I'm just going to continue to keep going. Or were you always, you just always had that, that almost like the bigger picture as to what you wanted to achieve? Again, this goes back to like my background, right? You know, people that look like me and Stephen, also people that look like you are never meant to end up in Hollywood. You know, Hollywood <laughs> doesn't choose you and me to cast yeah. for any movie. So I figured that okay, yeah, I'm a creator, I'm in front of the camera, and you know, this is nice, people are watching, but actually, I, I, I do see some sort of ceiling for this. And I feel like, I feel like if, I, if you truly want to increase your impact by a lot, Hollywood is not the destination, entrepreneurship mm -hmm. is. And building a company, an organization, that is a thousand times bigger than you can be 10,000 times more impactful. That's what I decided to do after the thousand days. Not a whole lot of people want to build companies. Honestly, it is not for everybody. Oh, you tell me about that, yeah. <laughs> Building a company is not for everybody, but again, it's about options. It's the only option left if you want massive impact. If I die, I don't want my impact to die. So if you want to have impact after your death, then you must build a company. Because if you're an accountant, if you're a doctor and you're saving lives every day, the minute you retire, no more lives are saved. Yeah, it's not scalable. You want scalability, yeah. It's all about scalability. I think we're sort of like, very similar journey that we've been on, uh, except you're, you're like much bigger. <laughs> we're, we're also creating different kinds of content. We're in different lanes. I feel like we have that duty to uh, fundamentally transform the mainstream media, especially Western media. I also know that uh, at some point you had some issues with Al Jazeera. What is it that they did to you and why you think they did what they did? You know, I think uh, when you're a kid and you turn on the TV, 
you assume everybody is innocent on the TV, right? You assume that everybody showing you the news is innocent, right? They're just journalists and they're just doing their job and they want to show you the world. When you are an adult, you realize every single organization has a bias. Every single channel from Fox News to CNN and Al Jazeera has some of the worst biases in the world. Oh, interesting, interesting, how so? Al Jazeera is single-handedly the reason why there is no peace in the Middle East. It is because of one news organization. Wow. The whole Middle East watches Al Jazeera and Al Jazeera is designed to make you hate people and things that they don't want, right? So it's, it's basically, think of it like a foreign ministry of Qatar, right? It's the foreign ministry of one government. And instead of, you know, sending ministers, they send you videos to your home and you watch the videos and you believe them. That's how dangerous it is. And I believe if there's an alternative to Al Jazeera that's less extreme, you would see peace in the Middle East and you would see peace in many, many other uh, regions of conflict. For some context, what is it that they did to you just to educate people on this? Well, you know, I think it's, they've, they've amplified fake news about us. And that's really the problem. They've amplified fake information about us, right? Accusing us of working for the Israeli government because I'm Israeli, which is <sighs> such, Man. it's such, and you know, but of course they make it sound like Israel is the biggest enemy in the world. It's the, it's the reason why the world is terrible. I mean, so they, they did this incredible fear mongering that yeah. made everybody believe that I work for the Israeli government, which we've never did and we've never mm. interacted with them. So what's your reaction when you, when you hear something like that and it's, it's literally on Al Jazeera? What's your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction is betrayal because you're the organization that I've spent my childhood watching and loving and enjoying your coverage. And to know and to see you so being so disingenuous, you know, you have really one of two things. One is we shut up and we say, guys, this is not us. We don't do this, blah, blah, blah. Or two is go on the offensive. And so that's what we did. We went on the offensive and we said, guys, this organization is flawed. It's an open secret. And we would like more people to know about this open secret. And this is not okay. And to my surprise, 20 million people thought is also not okay. So uh, <laughs> a, a lot of people agreed with us and that was, that was very nice to see. Was there any kind of like a retraction or, or did, did, they, did they respond to you right, at It's all? the Middle East. There's no retractions in the Middle East. <laughs> we don't retract. We just continue to go on the offense. Yeah, they did a response, but you know, it, was, it was tame. The message that I'm trying to say is everybody has a bias, including me. I'm very biased. So when you watch Nas Daily videos, please be careful of my bias. And more importantly, you should be the most careful of Al Jazeera bias, BBC bias, Fox News bias. Those large media mainstream organizations have a lot of impact and we have to be very, very careful of them. It's also the fact that you have that, that ability to be curious and think critically for yourself that you're able to distinguish between what's bias and what's not. But how, do, how does an average like person that they don't know any better, how do they, how do they do that? Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. I, I think the average person does not seek out the truth. The average person yeah. expects to be fed a narrative. I sit here, I scroll my phone and just show me content. 
But that's what differentiates a curious person from a not curious person. The curious person will Google 50 times to double check everything is correct and checks out. The not so curious people will just take the information and get angry and go to the streets. Mm. Curious people succeed in life, not curious people fail in life. It's really as simple as that. Your stories, especially these beautifully curated one minute videos about interesting people, they're very positive, right? But then I even see comments like people like, oh, he's like too biased towards positivity. Correct. Like, you know, you're not betraying the, the life as it is. I'm like, what the hell? Then what the hell are you supposed to do? Yes. So actually, I, my advice is for everybody to like, once you see a nice daily video, go to Google. Most of the time, maybe there's something's missed out. Again, I have bias. I have my bias to action and positivity. I'm not here to be an investigative journalist. Al Jazeera is doing that. Uh, I'm just here to, to amplify the voices that are oftentimes left out. So when I go make a video about Kenya, there's a very, very low chance I talk about the bombings in Kenya. But there's a very, very high chance I talk about you know, uh, in an entrepreneur who built a successful company in Kenya, right? So um, this is my bias and, you know, we're very open about it. Yeah, I think you just, what you do is very important uh, and as somebody who shares similar vision uh, to bring peace, really, except we just try to do it in a more like journalistic, authentic type of way. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just like a totally different lane, but I think we just need more people like that. Amazing, amazing. So, you know, given the fact that you've been storing so many different stories from all these parts of the world where people otherwise never get to discover, uh, do you have any like memorable stories that, that just renew the sense of purpose for you? I was just okay. in San Francisco. I found that technology startups are going to literally and single-handedly save humanity. I've been so impressed by five different startups that are trying to change the way we eat, okay? So a startup in Israel, for example, is literally making meat out of nothing. It's out of plants. They're printing meat. Another startup is printing milk. They're making milk without touching a cow. Imagine if we could make unlimited milk without touching cows. Yeah. You would have no food insecurities for the next decade if you can just make meat and milk in a lab. Powerful, they're gonna change the world. Another guy in San Francisco, he's building virtual humans. He's making a virtual human and he's testing drugs on virtual humans so that we can, if the drugs work, then we can test those drugs on real humans. From 15 years to make one drug, he's taking it down to seven. And then in the future, he'll take it down to three and then down to wow. one. Now imagine because of people like him and his company, we can create Alzheimer's uh, treatment in literally one year. That's mind-boggling. And I find that those people and the videos we make about those people to be the most inspiring. And I, and I really, 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 really think everybody should join a startup that's doing something stupid. Just join a startup that's doing something stupid. Oftentimes, it works. Yeah, I mean, you guys are a startup, so you must be looking for a lot of talent as well, you know? Well, you know. Yes, yeah. join us, we're doing a lot of stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is like the main thing that you guys are working on? Because, I mean, there's obviously NASA Academy, 
Uh, I know you're very interested in the blockchain space, for example. We're centralizing everything to NAS.io. So NAS.io is what we're building. And basically, it's software for creators that enables anybody in the world to start and run an online community. You know, we've built a community of 60 million people on the internet. But I think in the future, everybody should build a community. Not 60 million, but 60 people, 50 people, 10 people. And when you gather your people, beautiful things happen. Yeah. Imagine starting a community of journalists in Asia or a community of videographers in Philippines, right? And we're building the technology and the platform to allow anybody to do that. And that is consistent with our mission of bringing people together. I think in the future, in the future, what's going to happen is, you know, there is no reason, Stephen, why you and somebody, your neighbor are a community of South Koreans. In the future, yeah. I believe that your community is going to be in Congo, in Kenya, in Wisconsin, and in South Korea, and even North Korea, right? You're going to form an online community, and that's going to be more meaningful to you than even your own country. I think you're, you're onto something that's very important. You know, the whole Web3 trend with the community, and if it's tokenized, for example, I think it's it's going to be pretty powerful. As somebody that came, and you came as well, from two countries, or you know, four countries between us that have strong emphasis on borders, you know, that demilitarized zone and, and Israel and Palestine borders, you know, just seeing people die for the sake of a border, you know, I, I want to do the exact opposite of that. I want to enable people to build communities that are borderless. And it's a privileged thing to say, but but that is where the future is heading. What would you say right now that you're most passionate about, uh, like as far as like actual social issues or the, the, the problem that you want to solve other than like the startup you're thinking doing? Because, you know, right now, yeah, we have a potential like World War Three with Russia and Ukraine. There are a lot of things that people should be worried about, but what kind of social issues are you most passionate about addressing? I'm really passionate about as well, you know, what we put in our body. I've come to learn only in the last three years that most food is a fraud. It's, it's a scam. Like food is a scam. You know, the way we create food is a scam. The way we name food is a scam. You know, you go and kill a cow and you call it beef. You call it lamb. You, call, you, you don't call it a dead cow. You call it something else like pork has five different meanings. Pork, bacon, you call it bacon, and it's like E631 is an animal, but you would never know that E631 is an animal product, right? So just the way we incorporate animals into everything we eat is crazy. The way we incorporate sugar into everything we eat is even crazier. You know, good luck going to a supermarket in America and getting something less than 100 calories. Impossible. What happened to society where like, killing dead animals left and right for everything, and then we're just like stuffing ourselves with 1,000 calories every meal. There is something that's fundamentally off with the way we're eating today. And that's, I'm starting to feel a bit more crazy passionate about it. Knowing all that, uh, you know, like unhealthy trend that people really can't seem to avoid these days, what does your almost like a daily pattern look like to keep yourself healthy, both mentally and physically? For one, of course, I'm, I'm vegetarian, so I, I, I of course, I, I, I do not 
uh, I do not eat meat and I don't pay for meat. So even my entire company is vegetarian. We just never have any company event that has any meat whatsoever. The second thing is I'm trying to like eat less at restaurants. And if I go to restaurants, I get custom food. We make a lot of videos about people who are coming up with different ways to eat. You know, fake meat. I love fake meat. I would support anybody who's building fake meat. I think in the next 20 years or 30 years, it's going to be crazy to tell somebody that you use to put a knife in a cow just to eat it. If you and I now were born 500 years ago, you would wake up and you'd look around. What do you think the craziest thing that we will have done 500 years ago? Slavery. <laughs> Owning humans, I would own 10 humans. You would own 10 humans. It would be little slavery, right? right? And that ended because at some point we realized, wait, that's kind of crazy to own a human. Uh, it's also crazy to like not let a woman do anything. So now that we've, you know, that whatever we did crazy 500 years ago, we no longer do to the most extent. What do we do today that's crazy compared to 500 years from now? I think it's eating animals. I mean, because people can now almost like create meat from nothing uh, using all this technology. So that's okay. But you can't really call them like vegan or vegetarian because they're still technically eating meat. If it's cell-based, it's fine. It's death-free. As long as it's death-free. I, I think the future will, be, will have a lot less death from both humans and animals alike. We're going to say in 100 years, remember when we used to drive our own cars? And if we just took one second off, we would die like on the like think about that one mistake by either you or the person next to you coming from the yeah. other lane of the highway you're dead and your family is dead and your kids are yeah. dead in the car that's crazy so driving our own cars is crazy eating animals is crazy yeah i really like the fact that you're you're just looking into the future or the kind of future that you think should exist uh that's better for humanity i think it's somebody needs to push it to exist like we needed to push for to end slavery you know some people still wanted to own slaves you know you need to push to end some things so where are you based right now uh, i'm based in dubai and singapore so what's living in dubai like you could be based anywhere right now i could be based anywhere and i actually kind of want to be based in, in asia like i just like you i'm a big fan of asia i i you know i think the asian future is really really exciting the energy here is amazing and the talents and just everything the reason why i live in dubai and singapore is the same reason why i like startups imagine you want to get a do a job you have two options, live, uh, work at big companies like IBM or work at a startup. At IBM, it's a lot less risky, but it's so slow and everybody just doesn't care anymore. We've had this company for 30 years, 50 years, right? So it's kind of slow. People don't really want to go work at IBM. Working at a startup, things move fast. Things are crazy. It's amazing. Everything goes, everything is messy, but everything is amazing. It's fast and risky. Living in Singapore and Dubai is like living in a startup. Living in America and London is like working at IBM. <laughs> Interesting analogy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know that you have like a huge fan base just because of your Facebook background, uh, you know, in countries like India, Philippines, and you're, you're just big in Asia, right? Because I agree with you that Asia is the future. It, what boggles my mind is that still, like from, from the Western country's perspective, all they still now know about Korea is BTS or maybe K-pop. 
you know, they, they know virtually nothing about Philippines other than maybe Duterte or maybe that, Pacquiao. That's correct. So, you know, what's, what's your experience been like, you know, dealing with people from all these Asian countries that barely gets mentioned in, in the Western mainstream media? This is why I think Nas Daily became popular in Asia, because it looked beyond BTS. It looked beyond Duterte to go figure out what is interesting about the Philippines for a global audience. To be honest with you, I understand why the West sometimes doesn't really care. Like, why, why, do you, why do you think that is? Yeah, yeah. I was in America last month, and it's like the nearest country in Asia is 15 hours away, and the nearest Middle East is 15 hours away. Whenever I'm awake, you're asleep, so you don't make any noise. I don't make any noise. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, you want you want Asian influence? Go to Chinatown in Washington. You have enough of like that Asia. Medicine, yeah, the Asia. Asia fix, yeah, yeah. Asia yeah, fix, yeah. that's the Asia fix, but you don't really need more than that. And so the next thing is you talk about is Trump and Biden and whatever. So I understand why people may not need to know about Asia. But what I think people need to know is that if you don't know about Asia, you may wake up unemployed. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Somebody yeah. in Asia is so excited to get your job for half the price, double the work, double the productivity, and they're just as smart as you are. And if anything, they're probably easier to work with. You should be worried if you don't pay attention to Asia. I do give a lot of credit to the younger generation, you know, the, the Gen Z generation, because I think there's this inherent sense of curiosity, especially about Asian culture, and they want to learn more about it. It's just that there aren't enough supply of content. Yes, because content creator, Stephen, is not a job in Asia. Asia, right. as much as it's like a new continent, it's kind of still very traditional in a way. You know, in India, there's a lot of, you know, engineer. First, become an engineer, then do what you want. That's like a very right, famous right. saying. You know, in the Philippines, it's, it's also difficult to make money in Asia from content. So that's why the industry is still so young. I mean, we get hundreds of millions of views in Asia and it's just like, we barely get enough for five people. So, and we have wow. 120 people. So make the, do the math. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of the Philippines, I, and you know, feel free to stop me whenever you want from the perspective of humanizing what you do. And I can tell that you really have the right vision for the future, which I'm totally on board with. But I know that you were mired in some controversy uh, about a year ago. And for people who might not know the full story, can you just explain from your perspective what happened? Yeah, it's actually kind of difficult to explain because it's hard to know what happened. I, there is actually, let me answer that with a, with a bit of background story. I never told, told this story before. Sure, sure. But this is like a history story. In the UK, there's a tombstone for a kid that was killed 700 years ago. 700 years ago, okay. people in a village in the UK killed a Jewish kid and because they thought he stole something. Literally after 10 years or 20 years or 30 years after the kid was killed, the village realized, oh my God, the kid didn't do it. <laughs> it oh, was wow. just a rumor. And now there's a tombstone somewhere in the UK for 700 years. That when, and on that tombstone says basically, like the village basically saying like, that's what fake news does to you, basically. Like, like, like so the rumors, like sorry about the rumors, they were, they were not right, but, but at the end of the day, you cannot take back somebody that you killed. And so anyway, that, that was like interesting of the impact of fake news or just say unfounded news uh, on basically the general population just believing it. So, 
you know, there is this thing where we made a video about, uh, we, we, we went to help somebody create a class so that she can teach her, her, her knowledge. Her cousin has a competing business. Her cousin wasn't happy about it. So she was like, oh, they didn't sign a contract with this person, this is a scam. Everybody was like, oh my God, scam, scam, scam. You know, everybody think that, uh, that there was no contract, but there is a contract and, and everything. So it's, it actually, the class is not even available anymore. We don't even do that anymore. But still, the impact of one Facebook post of the cousin of somebody you've never met, you've never met that cousin, right? Shows the impact of how people can believe things that are not true. Eventually, of course, after months of work with lawyers and everything, came to realize that people came to realize there's nothing here. There was a peace offering and everything, and and now we're all happy and and jolly. But it is impossible. It is impossible to go back to the same millions of people and tell them, "Hey, you believe something wrong. Do you take it back?" <laughs> you know, you cannot do that on social media anymore. So again, this highlights the dangers of social media. As much as you and I love social media, one post can create a lot of damage if it's based on, on, on unfounded allegations. I think about that a lot because, and obviously you're way more visible uh, in terms of being that public figure. And even you, someone of your stature and your reach, that if you can sustain that kind of damage from you know one hit piece or you know, all these like YouTube videos accusing you of like a lot of different things. And I'm pretty sure at some point that's going to happen to me too, if not already. How are you supposed to deal with that? Knowing you have your side of the story, sure, you know, this whole due process is going to play out and then people will realize the truth at some point. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're going through it, how are you supposed to handle that? Look at the glass half full. You're relevant enough to attack. That's good. You know, they say in Arabic, a tree with a lot of fruit gets a lot of stones. Mm. Does that make sense? Because yeah, trees yeah, with fruit, yeah. people want to throw stones to get the fruit out. A tree without any fruit, nobody's going to care about it. So on the plus side, it's actually good to be attacked. It's good to be feared. It's good to be, you know, shamed because it means you're, you're relevant enough to hate. So, so maybe, Stephen, your goal should be to be in a controversy at some point. <laughs> I don't necessarily wish that upon myself, but I'm pretty sure, like, I look, I mean, at this point, people already accuse me and our brand is like, oh, these guys must be, I don't know, pro-CCP or secret North Korean spy to oh, really? becoming nice. like, a, you know, a CIA shield to try to, like, a Western apologist to always make, you know, Asia look bad and this you know, is great. all that kind These of stuff. These are great so. allegations. I love them. Uh, more, more, more of this. The North Korean one sounds awesome. You should, I, I, that you should, you should play up that. <laughs> you know, luckily, luckily we have our voice, right? So of course we created content about it. We can reach millions of people. So we, you know, we created our own voice to fight it back. And you have your own voice to fight it back. Nowadays, I look at the Philippines. We're like, we're like best friends. Like basically, I'm going to the Philippines next month. It's like everybody's loving the Philippines. Like there, there's none of that thing. It's, it, was, it was just a very, I think people also forget that last year or two years ago, there's a lot of things happening, partly because of frustration with COVID. You know, all oh, these yeah, online yeah. stuff, right? There was Israel-Palestine. There was a huge thing. In the Philippines, there was a lockdown. So there's a lot of bent up frustration with the way the world was working. And you can take it on something or somebody. 
But oftentimes people forget. I mean, you and your girlfriend and your wife, you probably fight once a month and you really hate each other. But a month later, you're like in bed. So, um, you know, I think, I think our situation with the Philippines has been dramatically better now. Do you have any uh, immediate plans to uh, reach across to more of like the U.S. audience or uh, is that not really a priority or yours? Because I think, you know, U.S. is an interesting market and we do actually have a huge audience there. Uh, but the kind of stuff that they're interested in is very different because they don't, I, don't, I don't think they necessarily have that like a worldview other than what they see through CNN and Fox. So there's some truth to that. But first of all, you know, we have 6 million followers in the United States across platforms. That's 2% of the country. So 2% of the population likes Nas Daily on social media. So that's a win. You know, that's enough. 2% I think is when things cap out. We, we've, we're seeing that across different channels. I think with the United States, you know, if you look generally speaking, it's only 4% of the world. Yes, it's the, the most important country in the world, but it's 4% of the world. So if we truly are globalists, then we should be, we should give it 4% of the attention and we should give India 15% of the attention. <laughs> so, um, and that's kind of how I try to live my life. Of course, I give the US a little bit more attention, but also I agree with you. There's a little bit of a different culture and it's not just the United States, even the culture in, even in South Korea and even Japan, right? I don't think Nas Daily could be big in Japan. We're trying, but, but you know, Japanese people are secluded in, in a, you know, in, in Japan. So it's, it's a little bit different in the United States. Like there's baseball, there's NFL, and it's like, God, who, there's, I don't care about baseball. So it's very difficult to make things that are mainstream culturally relevant. That's why we're doing the fringe, right? The people on the sides and just get a lot of these people together and then you end up with six million people. Yeah, and, and they're probably way more powerful in the future too. Um, they, they just become the, the mainstream almost. Yes, give it five years. Yeah, yeah. You sound like a, a super driven, you know, mission driven kind of guy who, who just loves life and you love people. How do you deal with your own like stress? Do you get, you know, from running a company to you know, just dealing with difficult people issues. How do you address your mental health? Oh, that's a good question. Um, mental health. I definitely have mental health like stress. I definitely do. I'm very lucky to be working with people that I like. Anybody that I don't like, I, I just, I have the ability to not work with them again. And I have the ability to just not see them again. Yes, this is very stressful. And yes, you know, the future could be unknown, but I'm kind of enjoying the ride. I'm kind of enjoying this. It's, you know, we have enough money to survive. We're not going to go bankrupt anytime soon. <laughs> that being said, you know, I, I don't really have a life outside of this and I don't really want a life outside of this. I think this is the only thing that I want. And I see myself doing this for 10, 20 years or so. So if I'm going to do this for 10, 20 years, then I need to think of this like a marathon that I would like to sprint. Um, it's not something where I'm like, okay, in two years, I can just give away the company and I can just like, you know, relax. No, it's just, okay, this is the life I'm choosing for 20 years. Let me just suck it up and let me just work with people that I like. And so far, so good. So then what do you imagine that, that uh, NAS.io would, would be in like five years time? Because I think you'll be way bigger than even where you are right now. So if we have 60 million followers on Facebook and YouTube, 
I would like NASIO to have 60 million users on NASIO. Wow. That would be a good place to be in. That would be a billion dollar valuated company for sure. Uh, yes, yes it would be. So that's, 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 a, that's a good side effect, which is like a unicorn. Um, and if that, if that does happen, well, think about it, right? Then you have the ability, not just to make a video about something, you have the ability to give $10 million to something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Not yeah. as a donation, but as an investment, right? You can invest millions and hundreds of millions of dollars into ideas. And mm. that's something that's so powerful because nobody can do that. The average yeah. person doesn't yeah. have $100 million to invest in ideas. So that's, that's where I want to be. That's, that's what I'm, I'm working every day for. Again, I think we share uh, very similar life goals uh, and everything that we are working towards right now uh, in terms of whether it be revolutionizing the, the journalism or mainstream media to uh, trying to make that, that impact uh, on a bigger scale. I think what we are lacking um, in today's world, especially for the youth, just, just based on my, my perspective, is we are sorely lacking leadership that can inspire young people to just, just, yeah, stay curious and take action. I think you're one of those figures who's encouraging that, that movement. We need better bosses to just take charge of their lives because, you know, yeah, you can't change the world, obviously, without, you know, sorting out, sorting out your own life, but it starts with individual responsibility, but at the same time, you've got to think bigger <laughs> and, you know, try to do something for humanity. So anybody who tries to do something better for the community, so that we leave this place better than we found them. You know, I consider them my ally. They have my respect. I'm pretty sure that there are many areas that we can collaborate on. Yeah, I just really like hearing your 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 philosophy and your your worldviews. I think it's it's very cool. Thank you, man. I mean, thank you for showing interest in our story, and and I definitely think there is a lot of ways we can work together. The least bit is if you're in Singapore, you should come visit our office. Wow, that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll come say hi if I'm, in, if, if I'm in South Korea. I guess lastly, do you have any uh, advice for young people who look up to you, you know, especially from Asia, whether they be from the Philippines or uh, Israel? Yeah, I think everybody that's like born in Asia has this like, could be inferior, inferiority complex, you know, which is like, okay, we're from Asia, and then Europe is really the best, and then America is really the best, and you know, they, Hollywood is what we consume, Hollywood movies and Hollywood songs. You know, this whole idea that we look to the West for leadership, I think is slowly gonna become less relevant. Actually, you may be a better leader of the future than the West, and you may know, you may know more about where the future is heading than the West. I've been around the world and I see the most growth and opportunities in this part of the world. Hungry workforce, dedicated people, infinite opportunities. Once you have all these three, you know, it's, it's game over. Like this is, this is gonna be amazing. Specifically for, for Asian audience, like, I think you're in the right part of the world for the next 100 years or for the next 50 years. Well, I think uh, that's, a, that's a perfect segue to uh, ending this conversation on a high note. But yeah, uh, you know, we'll definitely keep in touch. And you know, thanks, for, thanks for coming on and really enjoy the chat. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the chat as well.